just like that, we are back. Unfortunately, again, Lexi Brown and Jay Black are busy, but I want to keep the conversations going, keep the the mood of the podcast going. I think the mood is like upbeat, getting a lot of different people on, a lot of different perspectives while Lexi and Jay Black are not here. But Lexi and Jay Black should be returning tomorrow, which is Thursday. So we'll have a new episode. Obviously, she's she's doing Athletes Unlimited, so she's playing right now. This episode, we're going to continue to focus on uh, the lawsuit from Brian Flores in regards to the NFL, as well as talk a little bit about Hugh Jackson. And then we're going to finish it out with um, some culture talk and talk about Ozarks. Today, welcome, by the way, this is Spilt Milk. Today, I got my homie David Roseman, who's a talent manager, a sports aficionado, a podcaster himself, um, a titan within his own regard in, in terms of just being um you know knowledgeable in the digital space as well as being a prime deal maker and a businessman uh and the most important part um you know you know to me at least is that he's uh you know he's black like myself and i and, and you know I, I look at a lot of what he does and a lot of the relationships he cultivates um and the sentiment around himself and he's someone who has mentioned to me that he envisions himself being an nfl commissioner one day um, and obviously this race thing is a big issue. And I know it's Black History Month, so don't get me wrong. We're not going to spend a whole month like sad, depressing, um, you know, stories on spilt milk. But I do want to bring my guy, David, David um, in. I'll let him introduce himself and, and talk to you guys. David, welcome to Spilt Milk. Yo, Thomas, appreciate you, man. And uh, couldn't be any kinder in the intro. Very nice of you. Learned all that shit from you. But um, uh, yeah, my name is David Roseman. Um, big fan and big friend of Thomas's, uh, and I am an absolute lover of all things sports, especially football and just life, man. You know, I've been a good friend of Thomas's, supported you for what, four, five years yeah, now? It's we been got a while. Recently, we got some we history. Yeah, we've known each other a while. Um, uh, and yeah, and pretty much since we started Hoops and Brews, actually the first day we went to coffee uh, at, at the place that we used to work at, and you introduced yourself. You told me you wanted to work in sports and whether it be sports broadcasting or working in sports. And that was like your long term goal to do what you can um, do. But obviously, as we've had conversations before, um, you know, I mentioned, um, you know, that you had aspirations to be an NFL commissioner one day. And I think that that's like a really cool goal that you don't hear a lot of black people like aspire to be a commissioner of a league or things, some sorts, you know, something like that. So um, right. the fact that you hit me up in regards to this topic, I was like, I definitely got to bring David on because David is extremely knowledgeable. And this is something, you know, um, in terms of the medium, I know something that you really, really enjoy, but I do know that you also enjoy music a lot and you have something that you've presented to the people. So do us a favor and talk to us about what you have going on with your Spotify 100 greatest songs playlist and Tell the people how they can search it and find it. And if you send me a link, I'll put a link to it in the description of this podcast as well. Oh, yeah. I will definitely send you a link. If you don't get anything else from this, get this. Just released 100 Greatest Songs of All Time. Uh, it's very simple, obviously subject, uh, subjective. The only criteria is every song has come out after 1950, and it's predominantly English songs. We're just going to make it simple. But I think anyone who likes any kind of music will love this list. we got an amazing variety of songs. It's great. It's fun. It's on Spotify. Eventually, I'll do one for Apple Music too, and I'll make sure Thomas has it in the description. But let's talk about this NFL stuff. All right, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Um, right. I, I talked about it yesterday with Cam Buford, who's a reporter 
Uh, we talked about it at, at nauseum and it says my connection is unstable. So I'm hoping. Um, so if, if I have to re-log in, I'll re-log in, just like refresh my browser so you can just keep talking. But I want to get your thoughts. I mean, give me, I mean, you know, give me, give me two to three minutes of your opinion on exactly what's going on in regards to this huge, um, you know, um, Brian Flores situation. And then also your thoughts on Hugh Jackson kind of throwing his hat into the ring, which he frequently likes to do. <laughs> he does, right? I'll, I'll make it real simple. I love football probably. It's probably my third favorite thing in the world after my fiance and my family and probably in that order. I like football to an almost weird degree. And it's really disturbing to see this lawsuit, but more to see what's, <laughs> what's always been happening in the hiring practices of the league. I think there are only a few ways to look at it. Either you're someone who acknowledges that there's a problem, someone who is not acknowledging there's a problem, or someone who's just pretending like they don't see it. No one can look at what's been happening in the league over the last, you know, obviously any uh, time past the last 10 years, but any time recently, and understand that the playing field is simply not level. We can argue, uh, argue it empirically. We can look at the numbers and say, you know, there are a million statistics, right? 70% of the players are black. There's currently one black head coach, like six offensive coordinators. One's Brian uh, Byron Leftwich, who will probably get the Jags job as the head coach. The Jags are easily one of the worst jobs in the league, by the way. So it's more like uh, by default. 100% one of the worst jobs in the league. But I think for Byron Leftwich, um, which is also part of my issue with this, is like most of the black coaches are usually getting the worst jobs in the league. They're oh, not yeah. getting oh, mid-level yeah. teams where they can instantly transform them into winning franchises, but continue my bad. Right, right. No, no, of course. And we'll get there. And then hiring is one problem, but the expectations are really what it gets to me. The expectations for black, Hispanic, any kind of non-white coach in the NFL are so unrealistic and so deranged and separate from reality that that's what really bothers me. It's not enough to just hire these people and then give them no chance. It's like if I'm going to hire you, you know, to be uh, a professional basketball player and you're four, eight, and then you can't dunk and then you get cut and benched, that's not fair because I should have never hired you to do that. You never even should have been in the running. But what's unfair is when you got a guy who's, uh, you know, Bobo's height and they can't even get a tryout for the team because they're not being considered. It's it's really unfair on all three levels. Getting uh, black coaches in position to get hired, their expectations once they're hired, and then once they're fired, how they're looked at after they're fired. They don't get the same chances. On all levels, it's completely unfair. And long story short, I don't think anything will truly change until we see change in the ownership of at least one team in the ownership department. So that's like my mini version, but mm -hmm. obviously I want to hear what you yeah, say. Yeah, I think my biggest issue, um, honestly, today with Brian Flores, because he went on a media uh, tour to discuss his lawsuit versus the NFL. He's suing them um, for, uh, you know, hiring practices and uh, racial discrimination in regards to him trying to, um, you know, obtain a couple head coaching positions that he's been interviewed for. Um, and basically today, my biggest issue that I took with him was that he was saying that he hopes this changes the minds and the hearts of the owners. And you're not going to change the minds and the hearts of the owners. We've seen uh, you know, what they've done to athletes who have threatened their bottom line um, right. or coaches or personnel, people, whoever um, that have threatened the bottom line. They don't care about anything other than the bottom line. 
And the bottom line is that they want their boys, their guys, their brothers, brotherhood, uh, um, you know, to be around. And I do give Cam Buford credit who was on the show, um, you know, yesterday and we talked about it. He said, you know, if you're a person who likes being around people with short hair, you're going to populate your spaces with people with short hair. And right. my problem with that is, as I said to Cam, yes, but that's inherently prejudiced towards people that don't have short hair. And that within itself is something that an organization as massive as the NFL is, especially when, you know, you know, they've built their constituency, in, you know, in regards to the players. And, you know, now the majority of their athletes are African-American and only the, you know, the top flight of the top flight of the top flight of the white guys now are the superior athletes in the nfl versus like before when it was much more of an all-white sport and actually ironically did you know that the nfl um became integrated because of the fact that the i believe it was the the los angeles rams um wanted to play at the coliseum and at that point in time there was a, um, a law passed that basically said that there could be no segregation in public spaces or like public parks or something like that, or a public space. And technically, the um, uh, um, the the L.A. Bowl or what? What what's the name of the place we saw right. Kanye? At? Um, yeah. What's the name of the place though? Actually, uh, I can't even remember the name Not of it. Called the, the Coliseum. Oh right? yes, oh yes, oh yes, the Coliseum. I, I said it a second ago. Got like yeah. much But the Coliseum. So they so they integrated the first black player on a football team because of that, and that's really how the NFL oh. became integrated as a whole. So when you look at that, it's never been about doing things for justice or, or equality. And don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna stop watching football because I personally don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't blame the fans. I blame the players and the coaches and the other guys who continue to stay in the NFL and take that paycheck, even though they know that things aren't what they should be, because they're complicit in their own demise, to be honest. Um, because even with this lawsuit that's been coming out today, and don't get me wrong, I know everybody's um experience is not exclusive you know exclusively related to one person meaning that you know brian flores situation is not going to be the same one as hugh jackson or as uh, mike tomlin or other different coaches marvin lewis etc because marvin lewis if anything marvin lewis honestly is the one glaring example for the nfl where they could say yes but we've had mediocre coaches who've stayed and been retained in places where they were mediocre he's like the one silver lining for the nfl but i do think that it opens up a huge can of worms in regards to just everything in their overall processes and how they go about doing things i also think that if i was a if i was a gambling man which i am not other than like for like you know six packs of beers with my friends or something like that i would kind of be upset too because technically um you know what i'm hearing is that the competitive balance is being shifted um and not being shifted in terms of like oh we're a bad team let's play the rookies so that way they can get some experience and we can you know get a decent draft pick but if the offer has been you know explicitly offered to lose games and get a hundred thousand dollars for it i'm sure there are a lot of um you know fans and betters and fantasy players and mm -hmm. other people like that that are i mean i'm sure they they aren't thinking about it this deeply but I think the competitive balance and the way that uh, the the National Football League's integrity as a whole and, and their um, um, integrity as it pertains to their product is really at stake right now. And don't get me wrong. I think that Brian Flores is correct in everything that he says. I believe him. Um, but I will say this. I think that the NFL has the ability 
to um, make some, you know, you know, stringent changes. But they have, but also I think that as I mentioned, with the competitive balance of their product being slightly questioned, they are going to have to navigate this in a, in a way that, although it may seem evil to the people on the outside because they're unequivocally denying all of these allegations, you kind of have to do that, especially considering the overall implications. So I don't blame the NFL for their response. It's it's coarse, but it's like it's as to be expected. And also, I think everybody that was like overhyped about Jay-Z's partnership with the NFL. And it's no disrespect to Jay-Z because I'm sure he does the, his, the best of his ability to always try to push uh, us forward as a people and the culture forward. But I do think that like we have to really take a look at, at, at what that relationship was. And that relationship was a marketing relationship that was built to be a Band-Aid in a time where um, you know, you know, one of the most gruesome murders that we've seen uh, at the hands of a police officer in regards to George Floyd was essentially executed, um, you know, and and then the kind of and even right before then, the whole Kaepernick thing it has been a lot of things that have like it's been a cascade of problems and social um, issues that the league has had to deal with in regards to race. And I think that, you know, they they leveraged his celebrity in order for them to be able to skate around the actual issues. And I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that um, Brian Flores will most likely probably settle out of court because they don't want any of this shit to like be public, public knowledge um, in a similar manner that they don't, you know, they didn't want the Colin Kaepernick stuff to be um, public knowledge. So they paid him and and basically locked the, you know, you know, closed the book on that chapter um, in regards to things. So I think it's interesting. I think yeah. he's making a stand. I don't necessarily know if the comparisons to Rosa Parks are are warranted. I don't know if the comparisons of of this is one of the uh, as Chris Mortensen said. Um, shout out to Chris Mortensen, you know NFL um, you know reporter veteran. He said that this is one of the most significant um, you know um, you know stances that um, a coach or anyone that's been a part of a sports organization has taken over the last fifty years. And I can't necessarily agree with that. Um, I think I do, I do for sure. I personally can't agree with that. Let me, um, because I think we've seen a league, we've seen a league allegedly collude against its own personnel and players before. So it's not, it's uh, to me, it's not really that much of a stand because I don't think he really stands that much to lose at this point. Because I mean, if the clash action goes well, his lawyer is going to take thirty percent of it, and then he'll skate off and 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 you know reap whatever benefits he can reap. You can no, let's it. let's talk. Okay, okay. So you made a lot of points. That I want to address all of them, but fundamentally, I disagree with. Half and half, right? Um, we'll we'll work backwards, right? Let's start with let's start with Brian Flores, right? Because you said you feel like he doesn't have a lot to lose. I think it's a huge statement, and because he has everything to lose, it's one thing for someone to say, "Oh, I didn't get a job. Oh, I'm out of the league now. Oh, it's been two years." Like a Hugh Jackson, right? Hugh Jackson saying, "Oh, I got paid to lose now." Well, he could have said that what two, three years ago, 2017. He could have said that last time. Brian Flores is saying, a very yeah, and just be careful not to hit your computer because I think it's making the mic mess up. Just like with your hands, just so you know. But I'm still listening. Appreciate it. No, no. Um, Brian Flores is saying a very different situation. Brian Flores had literally had three more interviews, I believe, lined up currently in this hiring cycle. It's not like he had been spit out by the league and decided he was never going to work again. What he saw was an inequity and something that had been done wrong to him at such systemic and deep levels that he felt like he had to stand up. And I think that's a really different situation than what happens in almost any other way. It's very rare that someone, he knows he'll probably never coach again because of this lawsuit. There's a very good chance. He said it this morning on CBS or whatever it was. And he was 
certainly going to get another job. You know, when Kaepernick was out of the league, they were Was he though? What was Brian Flores going to get another job? Another head coaching job or just 100%. another offensive coordinator job? No, he was 1 million percent. He okay, he coached 3 years total as a head mm-hmm. coach. The first year, they went 5 and 11. They went 5 and 11 because as he said, his owner was trying to pay him to lose. They fielded one of the worst teams you will ever see. There's an amazing video on YouTube. It's called The Rise of Tanking in the NFL. It's by uh, Set the Edge, if you ever get a chance to look it up. it's I watched this a week ago, ironically. It's all about how tanking is very much not embraced the way it is in, let's say, the 76ers organization, right? You don't trust the process in the NFL. There are 16 mm-hmm. games. They're the biggest thing on TV. You need to try to win. Mm-hmm. Owners do not see it that way. Owners want one thing. They want a Super Bowl winning team, and they don't care if they suck to do that. However, if you're a coach, you cannot afford to be bad. If you're a player, you cannot afford to be bad in the way you can in other sports. It details in depth how the Dolphins attempted to field the worst possible team for Brian Flores in his first year. And then he's now alleging that he was paid to lose. And you know what they did? They won five of their last six games. They even beat the Tom Brady Patriots Mm -hmm. and stopped them from getting the number one seed uh, in the playoffs. I remember that weekend. It was in Miami, correct? It was, exactly. And this was the same year that the Patriots had murdered them week two. I mean, they, they were up like 40 in the second quarter. Yeah, That's I remember that. that. It was like 45 to three or something like that. Or? I think final score was worse. I think it was like 59 to 10, something crazy. Okay. Yeah. Long story short is this team believed in Brian Flores heavily, and they fought for him. And then the next year they came back with a nearly identical team. Uh, it was Tua's first year. Tua's okay. He's not bad, and I like him a lot. But it was he was a rookie, so he was even worse. You know, he was not great at the time. They went ten and six, missed the playoff by one game, had a winning record. This year, uh, seventeen game season, they started off horribly. They were one and seven, multiple quarterbacks, terrible. They came and they won seven straight games, won eight of the last nine to finish nine and eight, back to back winning seasons with a bad team, objectively, with a bad quarterback. This guy was guaranteed to get another head coaching job. And now you almost certainly never will. And that's a big thing to do right in the middle of your career. Um, so I think that's my take on Brian Flores. But I want to really I'm challenge... Not a, I'm not upset at your take, by the way. I, I I think that there was a lot at stake, but also he, I think, like, the thing about Kaepernick is people can say what they want, and I know a lot of people were upset at him for settling his lawsuit. But all the NFL, the NFL has enough money to spend billions of dollars on a lawsuit to make sure... That, it, that, that the facts never see the light of the day. Right. So all you're essentially doing at that point is race, I'm sorry, is wasting resources trying to fight a legal battle that you know there's going to be a tough chance for you to do, which is part of the issue with Colin Kaepernick and his collusion lawsuit, which is why they eventually settled. And the rumored you know, settlement was between 10 to $12 million. I don't necessarily believe Brian Flores is was gonna is gonna be paid more than Colin Kaepernick was paid in that settlement. And I think from that perspective, it just makes me question like, was the point just to to quote unquote create a message and then just try to run away to college, which I think is of which he can do. Um, he can go and coach a college program, especially at HBCU, because they're kind of throwing money around now because they're trying to get recruits. And him as a black coach, that looks great if you go to a HBCU, especially if Dion, um, you know, leaves in the next year or so. Brian Flores could go and take over at a program of that sort. Um, so I'm not. So I understand he's in the middle of his coaching career, but also still feel like 
I don't necessarily know if he didn't get the job this year, if he would have been a head coach again, if he didn't get another job. Like, I don't necessarily know if he would have got the Saints job, which is available, the Vikings job, which is still available. And then there's one more job that's currently still available, um, that he, the Texas job. My question is, do you think his goal is to settle? Because I don't. Yes. Like, there is no, there is no other point. I don't think really the goal is to settle because let's then say why would you do a class action lawsuit? Let's say he was going to make 10 million, right? Let's say he was going to get 10 million. He could have easily made 10 million in his coaching career. If he kept coaching the difference between that and Kaepernick is Kaepernick is out of the league. Like it's not like Kaepernick. Could I think you covered up your microphone with your hand. Maybe. I don't know. No, it sure sounds muffled. no, that's fine. I'm sorry. It sounded muffled. Go ahead. I'm listening. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah. Thanks for letting me know. Anyway, no the worries. difference between that and Kaepernick is Kaepernick was out of the league. Kaepernick couldn't just say, I'm going to go play quarterback again. He yeah. was done. You know, Flores could easily make $10 million over his career coaching, even if he was just a coordinator for 10 more years. He's like 43 or something. It's not like he's old. You can coach till you're 70. So I don't really think just settling is the initial goal. I, I truly think he wants to see something done, even if it's more of a, a show. Now, what should be done? That's yeah, above but like. <laughs> but what but even if it's a show then like then what was the point of it then well i'm um, hoping like, it's not a show but i think his goal is to see something positive happen i mean I, I, what what would yeah. you do thomas if if you were gonna i wouldn't have done it in the first place you wouldn't have and so if you're going to an interview right yeah and you find out three days before that was given to someone else i'm not one would you go to the interview i'm not fucking going to the interview no Okay, I'm not going. No I know you're, and then when they ask me why you didn't attend, is because yep. I know you're giving it away already. And they're gonna, and then they're gonna label you as hard to work with. And how not- many times do you think that I've been labeled hard to work with, including at the organization that we that we worked at? But I was well, good at my fucking job, so people had different. to fucking eat it. Thirty-two jobs, bro, and there are thirty-two. You got to think about where we worked there. at. There's only thirty-two jobs there, bro. Like, think, that, imagine how many true. hundreds of people would. It's not. You got to think of. You got to. Th- not really that different. It, it is because the competitive. No it, bro. You, if you're not coaching in the NFL, what are you going to go coach the XFL? You can the go AFL? and coach in college. There are college coaches making more money than the average NFL coach. The right, guys, what Texas A&M has got, like a what? A, he's made like ninety-five dollars. I mean, sorry, ninety-five million dollars being the coach of Texas A&M, or he's right. got like a ninety-five million dollar deal. Like you can go and find other, other or now it won't be the apex league but technically if you want to go and make more money you can go to other institutions and still make more money so sure, my thing is a much different level that would be like if you left the company we used to work at and then you had to go work at some minor company like you basically had to go but it depends though but well, i mean i kind of did though right? but but it depends am i leaving to go work at the university of michigan in alabama or am i leaving to go you know, you, you know, work at some D2 school. Like, I don't, I, I think, I, I think the only far-sighted thing that he can hope for, because I literally, the moment I saw this, I was like, this is not a good chess move. It's just not a good chess move. If you, if you, if you believe that your right and that your ability is going to land you that job, then you just got to keep, keep, keep pushing forward. And if he is as young as he, as he is still, you just got to keep pushing forward on that. And, and because there's not going to be any other way to change that. And just because you had a bad experience at one institution or with another institution, it doesn't mean that every single institution under that under those conglomerates of companies is going to be the same institution. Like, who knows if he would have went to another organization 
and then been able to like actually get um some leeway in order for him to win and if he actually won and made the playoffs we would never have to question if he deserved a job again like if mike tomlin gets fired tomorrow by the pittsburgh steelers or he steps down or he resigns he's instantly the the number one name on the board for coaching hires for any team in the nfl that needs a coach that's what they said to brian flores the day no but fired, brian flores is not a super fired. bowl but brian flores is not a super bowl winning head coach brian flores is not has not taken his team to two okay, super bowls as a head josh coach mcdaniels and he just got another job like we have to acknowledge yeah but we're not talking about josh mcdaniels we're not talking i'm not but i'm not talking about the white i'm not talking but listen to what i'm saying I'm not talking about the white coaches because there's clearly a double standard. There was okay. clearly a double standard at other places that I've worked at where my white employees or my fellow white employees got paid 10 to 20 grand more than me. And I know that they suck because I used to have to train them in certain institutions that I've been in. And it's not just one. It's happened at numerous institutions where I've had to train people that were above my pay grade. But how does that make sense if you're above my pay grade, but I have to train you how to learn the skills that you're supposed to know because you're above my pay grade. Accept the double standard, because that's what no, it's not. It's not about accepting the double standard. It's it's knowing that it is knowing that if you're going to rock the boat, then you need to do it purposefully. And the only purposeful thing that he would have been able to do in regards to rocking the boat would have just been to keep fucking working and making his money because all he's going to do now especially because it's a class action lawsuit and not just a normal lawsuit. And also I think it was a mistake in him naming it a class action lawsuit because then that puts other people and their testimony and things that they have to attest to up in air and make them instantly a part of this in their stories. Like you saw, well, well, I don't know if you saw it now, but Hugh Jackson kind of made a, 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 you know, a goofball of himself today when he went on ESPN, he basically walked back his story and was yabba dabba 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 and all of that talking. And it's like, bro, right. Did it happen or did it not happen? Right. No. Don't I, tell me that the organization set you up to fail. Did they offer you money to lose? Because that's what you insinuated and said the day before. Brian Flores unequivocally stated that 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 happened. He said it on numerous news programs today. Hugh Jackson was just looking for a moment. So I, okay, if I I'm Brian Flores, that. you just got to put your head down and keep working if you want to work in the NFL. But if you don't want to work in the NFL and you don't care about the amount of money that you're going to make from this lawsuit, then you file a lawsuit. But I think that he made a huge mistake because his 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 market cap is dead now. And like maybe he'll maybe write a he book, a personal maybe he can write a book. But maybe if the goal is to maximize your payout and your money, then I agree that making a class action lawsuit is not the right move. But I don't think that's his goal here. I think his goal is to make some sort of systemic change in the nfl and i think he did the right thing his one testimony is not going to be enough to make what's a the systemic change, change that. that he wants though he still hasn't like this is my this is my issue with it right what even with cap my biggest issue with colin kaepernick was up front he was and also with Kyrie, up front as quote unquote revolutionaries are guys with contrarian or thought to be contrarian thoughts. Yeah. It all seems really cool and fun until people say, okay, break down what you want to see happen. And then with cap as the beginning of it started to happen, he was, yeah. he didn't necessarily have his message a hundred percent honed in on. And then around like month two or month three of it really becoming a large thing that he can control anymore his points were very articulate and very well laid out. And he finally was able to like, you know, like he got the courage and built up the ability to want to make the change. 
but oftentimes articulating why you want to do that is different. And I think even Kyrie Irving taking his time to do that Instagram thing, um, you know, for 20 minutes, a couple of weeks into the season where he yeah. clarified that he wasn't protesting because he didn't want to get the vaccine, but because other people are losing their jobs and he's protesting on behalf of them. That right. clarified everything to me. And then it's like, OK, cool. You're not an anti-vaxxer. You're just not pro the government mandates and the government oppression of making you and mandating that you go and you get something and inject something into your body. And I understand that that's his right to do so. But it right. took him a few speaking opportunities before he was able to properly articulate that. Brian Flores has not, to my knowledge of what I've seen, had a plan on how to make this better. So at the end of the day, you say you want to see systemic change. What are those changes? Because if you aren't coming with a plan or, or, an, or an action item or action items, then this class action lawsuit is just going to be settled. And then you're going to never be heard from again. And that's just going to be what it is. And, he and is, unless he's he prepared to never settle, and unless he's prepared to never settle, yeah. which I, which if he does, yeah. more power to the man. But it's going to get settled. They're Probably not going to let this go. They're not going to let this go further enough to where they open up with the full can of worms to where everything underneath the hood needs to be looked at. Now, maybe okay. the owner, Stephen Ross, might be ousted. Or, or maybe maybe Stephen Ross might be ousted because maybe his practices actually were violating the competitive spirit of the game. And yes. that might be something that comes from that. But other than that, I don't they're not changing nothing. It's their club. Sure. Okay, I agree. But I would say that let's say Stephen Ross does get ousted. If he does, that's a win. Brian Flores automatically wins. It is nearly impossible to kick an NFL owner out for anything. If, if Steven Ross gets ousted over this, Brian Flores automatically wins. I don't care if he settles or anything. But that's not really the point. Now, with Cap, Cap didn't set out to be some martyr, some politician, essentially, right? We can acknowledge that. He did what he did, and then it became something bigger, right? And like you said, after it became too big for him to control the narrative, he had to go straighten up and kind of make his laid out points. Same thing with Kyrie. Kyrie had his points, but he wasn't trying to make this grandiose thing. The media kind of created a larger mm -hmm. story. This is different. Brian Flores said from day one, like I said, he could have, he's literally supposed to have an interview in like two days. That's probably not going to happen. He came out saying, this is how I feel and this is what I want to happen. He wants to see change. What Stephen Ross did, if it is true, is completely unethical and against the game. And I think those are the biggest allegations. It's already ridiculously hard for black coaches to get a job, but to then try to pay them to lose is is so problematic for the sport, especially with gambling. I am a gambling man. I will bet. You cannot tell me that people See, are- I'm definitely not a gambling man, so I can you, imagine you how betrayed you might feel. Games. That is terrifying to me. They're, I've been to Vegas a lot. You go to Circa, all these places, they're making, I promise you, $10 million every single weekend per day on people gambling on NFL games. You find out those are fixed, What's a hundred grand to pay you to lose if I'm going to go put five hundred grand on us losing by the spread? I mean, that's just free money. You you can't do that. So if that's happening, gone. He's got to be out of here. And what if he gets replaced with an even remotely minority owner? It's Miami. They shouldn't even have a white owner. They probably shouldn't have a black owner. Let's be real. They should probably have a Hispanic owner. If we if we're going to be honest, if that happens, win forever. Like the point is, if you have yeah, coaches, I guess that's got to do something. You know what I'm saying? Like he can't just sit here and say, "Oh, I'm going to work harder." I'm going to go back to the Patriots and be a DC and get another chance. No, I am principled and he earned that job and he was wrongfully ousted and it was going to happen again if somebody else didn't say something. 
Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not upset at that opinion. And that's one of the reasons why I brought you on here is because I know you would have strong opinions on it. I just personally think that I, if, if, if the game of chess, like, I don't know, I just personally feel like there should have been a stronger effort to have because I've I've um I read yesterday on yesterday's pod kind of um the breakdown of his complaint um which uh, uh USA Today gave a, a very eloquent breakdown but there were no action items and that's my biggest problem with it because you can't change the hearts and minds of racist people or people that you are claiming to be racist if they're going to still withhold and wield the same, um, you know, institutional power that they had before. And that's one of the biggest things. And one of the biggest reasons why the NBA ousting Donald Sterling was like such a, um, uh, um, a huge moment in history because of the fact that it's very, very hard to make institutional changes in regards to race. Number one, without acknowledgement that there has been institutional race problems. And number two, with leaving the same people, inside of those same organizations and infrastructures to continue to permeate those ideas regardless of if they get a slap on the hand or not and i right. so I, I i feel him I, I i root for him i hope that he does well if he drops a book i'll buy it because i know how much he'll need the money Thanks. but at the end of the day if his if his goal is to be an nfl head coach i think that he miscalculated his actions and his plans um and Honestly, he should have just waited until he got a job and then filed the, the class action lawsuit. Yeah, I can only hope that his goal because he still could have filed it against those three organizations um, right. and the NFL without having to file it against his team. And then you essentially leverage whatever team that's hired you into basically having to keep you or fire you because of the fact that right. you're screaming racism, racism, racism. So that's my, blast, right? yeah, that's my only problem with it. I just felt like there could have been a much more tactical plan. And I know he's got all of these white guys that are his lawyers and all this blah, 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 blah. I don't care about any of that shit. I could care less about any of his, of any of who his legal team is. My issue with them as it pertains to an entire whole is don't come to me and scream bad, bad, bad without being like, this is how we fix the bad. And that's one of my biggest problems, honestly, with a lot of my fellow black Americans is we love to talk about, the poverty, the pain, and the strife. But when we're like, all right, well, what are some tangible solutions? It always goes back to reparations. And like, I'm cool with reparations. I want them. If they decide to put 40K in my account tomorrow as, as reparations for me being a descendant of African slaves and say, after we give everybody this 40 grand, we ain't giving y'all no more money, so shut the fuck up, I'd be fine with that. But I, reparations is not some shit that I'm looking at or that I think is actually equitable or ever going to happen underneath the capitalist capitalistic and race-driven society that we live in that is america so people can articulate themselves eloquently as much as they want to but what are your what is your plan to change the very nature of the of the system or the thing that you're claiming is predatory in nature and if That's you aren't and if you aren't doing that and the only thing you're saying is i want to shame you guys into changing your minds and sentiments i've been very very strong about the covid vaccine not saying i've never been anti-vax but I've been pro people's choice to do what they want to do with their body. And my biggest issue with other people, and I said this to a, 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 
you know, a lady that worked for, um, um, you know, you know, she works or, or her goal is to basically be Anthony Fauci. I met her at a bar one day yeah. and I met her friend. She works in public health. The other one is like the same kind of scientist, like a virologist scientist like Anthony Fauci, where they study those kind of things. And I'm like, well, and so, I'm, so I asked, I said, why is the CDC failing? And she's like, honestly, the CDC doesn't really know how they're handling. I'm like, number one, their marketing is wrong. You can't shame people into sticking a needle in their arm. You don't like like heroin, heroin addicts don't become heroin addicts by being like, yo, you see those other people over there that are heroin addicts. Don't be like them. Go in, go, go in and, 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 and don't do drugs. Like, no, it's not how you do that. You get a right. heroin addict by giving them a little bit of some product or somebody that they know is a little bit of some product and letting other people see it and be like, you know what? This is good for me. And rather than America saying this is good for us as Americans and we should all ban to do this together as Americans, it became a polarizing conversation in regards to not only race, because black people were being primarily attacked for their mistrust in the government and, get, and getting vaccines, but it also became a conversation about morality and people blaming other people for not being vaccinated for other people dying of COVID, when we all still do not have all of the facts. So even when people are talking about Oh, well, you know, you know, anti-vax, pro-vax. The first thing I said there, I said, the, the first thing you guys could do is just change your messaging and try to make it more opening and make people feel rewarded for going to get vaccinated versus it being like, this is life or death. And if you don't do it, you're wrong and you're killing people. Those okay. are two different, those are two different systems. Right. And so I brought her a problem, but I immediately presented her with a solution. Now, obviously she has no bearing to change it, but I sure. told her, I said, you know, maybe one day you might be Anthony Fauci. The same way I told you one day you could be the commissioner of the NFL and maybe she'll be able in a future when there's another pandemic or another global um, you know, epidemic or something where we're dealing with this on a global situation, be able to handle it in a better manner. But I didn't just come to her being like, you guys suck, you guys suck, you guys suck, which is what a lot of anti-vaxxers have been doing. I said, hey, I'm vaccinated, but I understand why the people that I know don't want to get vaccinated. Why is your messaging so bad? And right, then she right, broke right. it down and I said, well, this is how it can change. And that's my only problem with Brian Flores is and I, and and hopefully he'll be able to articulate the, that plan of action more thoroughly as we move forward. But in the grand scheme of the chess game that he's playing now with this multi-billion dollar conglomerate that has every private investigator in the fucking world. It's a dangerous game. So I hope that he ends up on top. I'll let you get your final words in and then we can get out of here because I got to go to the Laker game. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um yeah, I'll just wrap it up by saying this. I think the reason that there isn't a concrete plan exactly what to do is because Brian Flores is smart enough to understand that anything that he would want to see be done is probably not going to happen because the very people that he has a problem with are the owners. Mm -hmm. There are 32 people who control the entire league. And his problem is fundamentally that these people have practices of hiring and expectations that are unfair. So if you were challenging these people to change, that's probably not mm -hmm. going to happen. And he doesn't want to sit there and label and say, hey, I want exactly this, this, and this to happen because he's smart enough to know it won't. And then when it doesn't happen, then it looks like a failure. His goal is to change sentiment, how people feel, that kind of thing. He's smart. He's not actually trying to change the sentiment of these 80-year-old billionaires. He's, he's not dumb. That's not going to happen. He's trying to change public perception enough to put enough pressure on them to do something about what is clearly wrong at a systemic level. Because that's all you can do. Because the reality is the only way to change it is to change the owners. I think you, myself, Brian can all agree with that. That is the problem, is that the owners are these billionaire, 
31 out of 32 white guys in Shad Khan, and they're not in touch with the players and the hiring practices and the coaches that they're actually working with. But we can't tell someone to just lose their job. <laughs> you, you can't make someone force a team. So the best thing he can do is to put enough pressure that hopefully it'll affect perception of the league and maybe put some pressure on them with their money to say, hey, maybe we should make a change here. Because all he can do is hope. He can't have a plan. He can't have demands. Yeah, see, and, and, that, and that to me, and, and, and you can go back and you can listen to the former episode that I had with Glasses Malone. Um, we talked about hope. And he said, I hate, I hate hope. Hope is bullshit. Hope is what we tell ourselves to, to make ourselves feel better because we don't have a plan. And that's part of my issue with it. Like if you're if you're Brian Flores and you're putting your career on the line for hope, it just may it just personally it 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 makes me question how much you really valued you know this career or this path that you've taken. I know he said, um, you know, I fully expected that I, you know, you know, that this would affect my um, you know, chances at at you know at being a head coach or coaching again. But I still do want to be a coach. It's like, well, I, I, you have I feel to you. I feel you. I, 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 I feel you. But that's an oxymoronic statement. And I do know when things are bigger than. I mean, you know, you know, bigger than me. Right. I, I know that. I know that for a fact because a lot of shit in my life has been bigger than me. A lot of what I've done over the past five years has been bigger than me. So I've had to do things that I haven't wanted to do. Make a lot of sacrifices. Give up a lot of money and try to help. You know, in order to try to help put people in, you know, in in other positions. But I, but one thing that I didn't do was do all of that off of faith and hope. I did it off of execution and building a strategy. And that's my only problem with it because I've I've watched I've watched over forty five minutes of him speaking about this today. So it's not as though I'm not I'm very well versed in what he's been speaking. It's just man. You put yourself in a tough situation, and I, I hope it ends up in the best for him. So on that note, I want to thank you, David, for joining. Obviously, I value your opinion. Um, and although we don't 100% agree on it, I, I think we both still do find the value and see the value in what he's doing, and we respect it. So it's not as though we're disagreeing in regards to the respect. I think we're just disagreeing in it because, as many people have told me, I'm a pessimist. So, And, David, clearly you're not a pessimist. So that's where we kind of end up at in this conversation. But, David, talk to the people. Let them know where they can find you at, man. Definitely appreciate you for coming on. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much. Um, check me out. Instagram, Rosie Radio, R-O-S-E-Y-R-A-D-I-O. Check out my new playlist. Uh, it'll be on my Instagram and it'll be in the description. I'll make sure Thomas has it. Uh, appreciate all y'all on Patreon. Keep supporting my guy. One of the best people I've ever met. Uh, true titan in the Thank industry. You. Appreciate Thank it. you so much for having me on, brother. All right, David. I appreciate it. Thank you. Get up with you later. All right, fans. We've spilt some milk. We've had some conversations, we had some disagreements, but we also, as we always do in the show, come together, um, you know, with nothing but love. So random episode, but I had to talk to my guy, David, about it, because as I said before, he wants to be the commissioner of the NFL. And I think you can see, uh, you know, one day and I think you can you know, very well see um, why he would be a guy that would be a great candidate. Very well spoken. Um, um, I'm very thoughtful in regards to his um, you know, thoughts and very measured in what he says. So big shout out to David. Big shout out to Lexi Brown and Jay Black. Also, let's go ahead. Let's give a shout out to all of our Patreon subscribers because you guys are fucking appreciated. Shout out to my guy Banks, who is a VIP spiller donating $8 a month. I appreciate you. You are our first VIP spiller. Join us on the Discord chat. Shout out to my guy, Lawrence DeShield. He donated $3 a month. Ant Green, $3 a month. Joel Wilson, $1 a month. Mike Darty, $1 a month. Amy Cuther, 
$1 a month. And shout out to my guy, Don, for donating $1 a month. I appreciate you guys. Keep going. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast on patreon.com slash spilt underscore milk. That's S-P-I-L-T underscore M-I-L-K. Sorry, um, you know, mouth a little dry, but I'll get it with you guys next time. Lexi and Jay Black should be back next episode and we also got some special guests coming up next week on the show as well this has been spilt milk it's your boy tpj peace out